The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, good morning, everyone. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. And we're going to be looking there at a familiar scripture passage. Familiar story of, of a, something that happened here. Chapter number 6. We're going to be looking there. And uh, verse number 1. Familiar, familiar scripture passage. But I want to bring uh, a few things out that I, that I hope will help us. Verse number 1, after these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee and is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this is he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. That's an important verse in this, this section or this passage of Scripture. In verse number 7, Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Verse 10, And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in a number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given things, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto, the, unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with their fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that they had eaten. Then those men which... Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that prophet should come into the world. Now this morning it's just a short lesson. I just want to teach on the, the, the fact of the young lad. I want to look at the young lad here in just a few minutes uh, about the young lad and how can, that can apply to our lives. But the, the lesson this morning is a, a funny name of it. It's the boy, the biscuit, and the cut bait. That is the lesson this morning. The boy, the biscuit, and the cut bait. And as we look, we see in this, this is a common, uh, this, this miracle that Jesus performed is all throughout the four Gospels. It's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. And as, as we see, the, the Gospels, even though it's told in a little bit different manner, it's like, when you read the four Gospels, it's written by four different men, but they're writing about the same. It's like when you sit and you look at a house. you got four different angles from the house on most houses. you got four different signs. 
And these guys, and you're looking, these guys are looking at the same thing. They're looking at Jesus Christ, but they're kind of seeing them from different angles. So all these, all these gospels, whether it's mentioned in the story, work together. They work together. So it demonstrates this, this feeding of the 5,000 demonstrates Christ's miraculous ability. That's the, that's what we take out of the story is what Christ did with these five loaves and two fishes. It's a story that, that demonstrates his ability. But I want to point out a couple of things this morning about it's also a story that indicates a lack of faith in a couple of different individuals. It indicates a lack of faith. And the Bible is very clear about unbelief. It's a hindrance in our lives. Unbelief is a hindrance in each of our lives. The Bible's clear. Romans 14.23 says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6 it says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. You, know, you look at that word impossible, you look it up in the Greek and all, and you do a word study, and you know what it means? It's impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You must. It is not that. It is not we who please God. It is our faith in Him that pleases God. And whatever is not of faith, as we saw in Romans fourteen, whatever is not of faith is sin. And we look at a couple of different people here in the first part of the the scriptures, and it indicates a lack of faith. Look back in verse number 5. We see the first one we see is Philip. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse number 2, it says the great company. It's also called a great multitude. When you look in verse number 10, you see there, it says, And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. So that's just the men. You read after and you study, and many scholars will say that if you include one woman and one child, or maybe even more, the average that could have been there would be fifteen to 25,000 people. Now we know 5,000 men, we know that. But we study and we read, and it could have been that. We don't know the exact number, but we do know 5,000 men. We do know 5,000 men. And, and Jesus asked Philip, where could you buy bread to feed all these people? Where could you buy it at? And look at verse number 7. Philip said this. He said, F Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. See, 200 penny worth back then in that days was about eight months wages. So it was about eight months wages that still would not be enough to feed all those folks. And Philip looked at it and he said, well, we don't have enough cash to buy enough bread to feed all these people. So Philip was showing a lack of faith there. He was looking at the cash. He was looking at the things that that we don't have enough of this so that it can't be done. He says it just can't be done. You look at that, that's what Philip is in essence saying. There's no way it can be done. See, Philip was looking at the arithmetic 
not the advancement of Christ. See, many a believer has missed experiencing God's power in their life because they calculated without faith. Without faith. Remember that scripture, without faith it is impossible to please God. So we see that, that Philip shown that lack of faith. Secondly, we also see that we see another lack of faith by Andrew. See, Philip calculated without faith. Andrew speculated without faith. He speculated without faith. When you look at, you see many times in the Bible when you see Andrew, you see many times he's bringing somebody to Christ. You read uh, through the Gospels, you see that many times. Look at back in verse number 8. He said, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But look at the question that he has. But what are they among so many? So he saw those loaves and fishes, and, and Andrew's like, Okay, we've got these little bit. What it what is it among all these people? So Andrew here, he's speculating without faith. He automatically shoots it down. This is not going to be enough to feed all these folks, all these people. Philip looked at the cash and Andrew looked at the crown. And Andrew reminds us of some folks who look at the situation and then come to the conclusion that it's beyond their ability. It's beyond our ability to do. I can see Andrew's like, yeah, something needs to be done. We need to do something to feed all these folks, all these people. But the way things I figured, the way I've got it figured out, we can't. We just can't do it. You can't feed all those people with these loaves and fishes. There's no way. So Andrew's looking at it, and he's speculating without faith. He's without faith. And you see these two examples here of the lack of faith. But as you read on and you look, I look at it this way. It inspires a life of faith. This, this story, this miracle that Jesus performed inspires a life of faith. See, there's some things that are just beyond our ability. We cannot do. But there's nothing beyond His ability. He can do anything. So we sometimes look at that and try to figure out ourselves how to do these and how to do this, but we're doing our own figuring. You know, many times when I try to figure things out, you know what happens? It doesn't turn out well at all. It doesn't turn out well at all. But when you have faith in Christ and let Him work, so to speak, it turns out because there's nothing beyond His ability. Instead of being like Philip and looking at the cash and Andrew looking at the crowd, in our lives, why don't we just look to Christ? Because nothing is beyond Christ's ability. Nothing is beyond Christ's ability. See, those loaves and fishes were more than enough to feed all those people in Christ's hands. We couldn't do it. Andrew or Philip couldn't figure out how to do it. But in Christ's hands... It's more than enough. It's a demonstration of God's wonderful power. I love Luke one thirty seven. For with God nothing 
shall be impossible. And that word nothing, that means nothing. There's nothing He cannot do. And you know, sometimes we limit God of what He can do because our lack of faith. We don't have faith in God. So it's a story that should challenge and stretch and encourage our faith as we look and read. In, John, in verse number 11, we look back and he says, And Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. As we think about this and the, about the loaves that Jesus took, he took the loaves that little is much when God is in it. He can take a little and make it big. He took these loaves and fishes and he did a miracle and he fed all of these people. But that was Christ. That wasn't Andrew, that wasn't Philip, that wasn't the lad. That was Christ who did that. And that's the focus of the story, is what Christ did. But I want to show you, by looking at the lad here, a few things about in our life. We learn the truth of what Jesus can do in and by us if we only give Him what we have. See, Jesus can take small things and do great things with them. And if we give Jesus what we have in our lives, He can do great and mighty things through our lives. But we've got to give Him what we have. And many times in our lives, we don't give Him everything we have. We give Him maybe a little bit. We don't give Him 100% of us. We give Him maybe 98% of us. See, God doesn't want 98% of us. He wants 100% of us. And when we give Him everything we got in our lives, God will do great and mighty things in our lives. I want to show you three things here about this. Number one, we see the Lord's plan for our life. The Lord's plan for our life. Look back in verse number 6. And this is the verse, And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. See, the Jesus asked Philip where they could buy bread to feed the multitude for the purpose of proving him. That word prove means to test. Jesus wanted to put Philip's faith to test. He wanted to test his faith. And then he said, For he knew himself what he would do. Well, that tells us right there, before the question was ever asked, before this ever happened, Jesus knew exactly what was going to take place. He knew exactly what he was going to do. Before Andrew brought the lad to him, Jesus knew that the, the lad was in the crowd, and he knew about his little lunch. Long before the feeding of the 5,000 was ever discussed, Jesus knew. Because Jesus had a purpose. It was a purpose that involved the lad and his lunch. The thing is, we don't really know anything about this lad, about this boy. We don't know his IQ. We don't know his name. We don't know his family. We don't know what he looked like. We don't know how tall he was, how short he was. We don't know any of that. All we know is that this lad had some loaves and fishes and he gave it to Jesus. 
He gave it to Jesus. So that Jesus could do this. The only thing we know is he had his lunch. And the lad and his lunch remind us that of how God has a purpose in each one of our lives. God has a purpose for every single life in here. Each and every one. See, you may be feel, and uh, it's like, man, I feel like I'm just a lad among the multitude of people out there. But you know, God has a purpose for my life. And you may feel the same. God has a purpose for each and every life in here. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Real quick, we're going to read verse number 5 of Jeremiah chapter number 1. And God told Jeremiah here that he both shaped and sanctified him. Verse 5, it says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Well, what he's saying there is first God shaped him. The word form means to squeeze into shape. It's like a potter in clay that is forming. The potter's forming that clay. That's what the idea we get there. And when Jeremiah was in his mother's womb, God had been shaping and forming him according to what God's purpose was for him. See, before each of us was born, God had a purpose for us. He shaped you into the person he wanted you to be according to his purpose. And can I tell you this? God God makes no mistakes. He makes no mistakes. God is perfect. So he has a purpose for each one of us. Secondly, he told Jeremiah that he sanctified him. The word sanctified speaks of being appointed or set apart. See, even before he was born, God appointed and ordained Jeremiah to be a prophet. See, there was a purpose that God had for his life, and we're no different. God has a purpose for our lives. In realizing that God has a purpose for each of our lives, as we saw what he did with the lad, I want to challenge you just a couple of statements. Number one, uh, understanding the Lord's purpose for our lives. That should be the per- that should be the pursuit of our life is understanding what God's purpose is for our life. We shouldn't go through. We shouldn't be content to go through life without knowing His purpose for our life. That's what we should pursue in our lives. And you know, I don't believe the Lord would have told us that we could understand His will if it couldn't be understood. I think the Lord wants us to understand His will for our lives. But the most important thing to understand that will is to have the right relationship with Him is to have that personal relationship. That's how you can understand His will for your life. Is to have that personal relationship with Him. So we understand the Lord's purpose. And then secondly, we need to undertake the Lord's purpose. Once we find uh, the will, what God's will is for our life, that should be our purpose. That should be what we want to do. That should be what we do in our lives, is to find God's will and then do it. Just to simply to do God's will. Now I know we have some young people in here, and you 
don't may not know what the Lord's will is right now, and that's okay. That's okay. But He did command us to live for Him, to do what He says in His Word. So we do that on a daily basis. You do that on a daily basis. You serve God. You uh, do what He tells us to do. God will guide you and show you His will. He will. But we have to have that right relationship and serve Him. So we need to understand the Lord's purpose and then we need to undertake it. We need to absolutely do it. We need to do it. So we see the Lord's plan for our life and now we see the Lord's place in our life. The Lord's place. Look back at verse number 11 real quick. And Jesus took the loaves and when He had given thanks, He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. In verse number 11, we see that, and Jesus took the loaves. He took the loaves from the lad. It doesn't mean that he actually forcibly took those loaves from the lad. You know, the lad could have done many things with the loaves and the fishes. He didn't have to give them to Jesus. He could have done many things. I mean, he could have went and he could have ate them himself. I think that young man probably could have ate every one of those biscuits and fishes, you know? I don't think growing boy, I think they could handle that. He could have ate them. He could have sold it to somebody else. He could have gave them out himself a little bit. But he also did what he, he could have done what he actually did. He gave them to Jesus. So he took it, Jesus took those. And in Colossians 1.18, we see that in all things he might have the preeminence. See, what the lad did, he gave that to him, spoke of the preeminence that Jesus had in his life. When we say preeminence, we mean the first place. What is first place in your life? What is first place? Jesus should not have a prominent place. There's a big difference between prominence and preeminence. Prominence may be important. Preeminence is what's first place. And that's the place that Christ should have in our lives. He deserves it. He deserves it. He not only, that's what He desires, but that's also what He deserves. See, as we look at the lad, we see the place Jesus is to have in our lives. Two questions. The first one is, when the, as far as Jesus' place in our lives, question one is, do we respond when the Lord speaks to us? Do we respond? Although it's not recorded, it doesn't say this, uh, uh, there's no doubt that Jesus asked for the loaves and the fishes. It's not recorded, but I, I just, Jesus spoke to the lad and he responded and Jesus asked him for his lunch. And he gave it to him. And you know, there's nothing in there that seems to suggest that the lad argued with Christ and said, nah, you can't have that, that's my lunch, I'm not going to have anything to eat. There's nothing in there that indicated that the lad said that. I think he just freely gave it to Jesus. And when he did, we see that what you give to Jesus indicates the preeminence that Jesus has in your life. If you give everything to Jesus, we know he has preeminence in our lives. But sometimes we hold back. We hold back. So do we respond when the Lord speaks? 
Also, do we render what he seeks? Do we render what he seeks? There was something the Lord wanted from the lad. He wanted his loaves and fishes. He gave the Lord what he wanted. And Jesus revealed, he want, revealed what he wanted. And without a moment's hesitation, he gave it to him. Are we like the lad in our life? Or the lad in this story? When Jesus, when he asks us to give him something, do we immediately do it? Now what is that? You know, do we willingly, immediately, and happily give the Lord what he seeks from us? Ourselves and our service. Do we give that to him? In our daily lives? Do we do that? Do we, do we give that to him? Our service to him? Or does it, is it like pulling teeth? You know? It's hard to serve him sometimes in our lives. It really is. But are we willingly giving up ourselves and our service to him? This lad did. He gave everything he had. Even though it was loaves and fishes, even though it was something small, the lad gave it to Jesus. Our willingness to give to God what he seeks from us indicates the place that he holds in our lives. Is Christ preeminent in your life? Is he preeminent in your life? Will we respond when he speaks and render what he seeks? And thirdly, finally, we see the Lord's plan for our life, the Lord's place in our life. Thirdly, we see the Lord's power through our life. The Lord's power through our life. See, I was thinking when the Lord called me into the evangelism, like, Lord, you're calling me? Me? I'm nothing. And you want me to go and travel? and pre- No, you don't want me to do that. Not me. Because I don't have anything to give him. But you know, I realize this fact that I'm just going to give him what I got. It's not much. It's not much. But I am going to give it to him, whatever I have. And the Lord has blessed. He really has. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen many people, this, this last two months, we've seen many people come to Christ. We've seen many decisions made for him. And, you know, and I say, oh, I just want to give them what I got. I just want to give them, even though it's little, it's not much. I want to give them me. Do we do that in our daily lives? Do we do that in our daily lives? If we give what we have to Jesus, Jesus will do miraculous things in and through our lives. But we have to give it to Him. We have to give it to Him. We see that He can do a marvelous work through our lives. See, what the Lord did with the lad's lunch is one of the most exciting stories in the, in the Bible. In verse 9, Philip described his lunch as five barley loaves and two small fishes. When you think about the, the loaves back then, it's not like a, a, a loaf today. You don't go into the store and, and buy a, a bread, a loaf of bread like that. That's not the way they were back then. Basically, what one loaf back then was about the size of a palm. A biscuit. That's about what the size of it was. So God took that biscuit, those small biscuits, 
And then if you go over there, the most, most abundant fish is what they call the St. Peter's fish over there. And basically it's the size of a sardine. So what Christ did, the lad gave his five biscuits and these two sardines to Christ. And what did Christ do? He multiplied it and fed the thousands. But you know, the lad, that little boy, gave Christ what he had. And look what Christ did with what he had. Look what he did with what he had. And it it says in verse 11, I like this. We'll close with this. He says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. You read between the lines, or you look at those words. He took those loaves and fishes, and he multiplied them, and everybody got their belly full, so to speak. They didn't want anything else because they were full. It was like they went down and they sat down in a buffet and they ate as much as they wanted. And you know this little lad who had the loaves and the fishes, who gave it to Christ, and Christ multiplied it, and he fed all of these people, all of these thousands, and it was like they were sitting in a buffet. They got as much as they wanted. But what did it all start? It, it was all the miracle of Christ. But this little lad gave what he had in our lives. If we give Christ what we have in our lives, there's no telling what God will do with it. There's no telling what God will do with it. He can do miraculous things in our life if we just give Him what we have. And that should be our prayer, is to give God everything that we have. Pastor. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronard Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.